0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Study Break. My name is Melody, and today I am here with my friend, Michelle. Hi everyone,
1: my name is Michelle, and I'm from Los Angeles, California. I'm 18, and I am a college freshman.
0: I had another Michelle on, also our tennis, other tennis Michelle. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, she was on here um, a while back, a year ago probably now.
1: Um, oh damn.
0: Yeah, but today we're going to talk about something that's really interesting, in my opinion. Personally, I've never experienced it before, but we're going to be talking all about moving and not just like moving from one city to another. It's like dramatic moving since you moved from America to Venezuela and then mm-hmm. back. So yeah. first of all, my question for you is why did you move to venezuela in the first place
1: um my mom's family was actually there during the year that we decided to move and that's literally why like me and my siblings and we all just moved over there because my mom she just wanted to move back because she actually grew up there so she just wanted to take us all with her so we can experience venezuela
0: how old were you when you guys first moved I think I was
1: um, 11.
0: Okay, okay. So you were pretty, like, well-established here already, right?
1: Yeah, I, I still was. But, you know, 11, like, you're still... I was still really young, so... Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was so good that I was still really young, moving to a different country, because if I moved right now, like, it'll be t- totally different to adapt, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. While I was doing some research for this episode, I found out that, like, moving dramatically to a different country um, Mm -hmm. at a young age is actually, like, one sort of trauma that people can have from their childhood. So yeah, yeah, it's like, um, because they aren't able to emotionally grasp that change, and especially Mm -hmm. culture shock and all that. We're going to talk more about that. Um, But first of all, how exactly did you feel when you were eleven, you know, moving from California, such like a a very sunny and a very dry place with yeah. all English speakers, mm-hmm. to a country with, that speaks mainly Spanish and is a lot more humid
1: yeah actually, Venezuela's weather is actually really nice it's like really perfect and that's the one thing that I can say that I love about the country is that the weather is like always perfect like, you know like California's weather is like it's like so it just like, it's one day it's really hot and the other day it's like rainy yeah it's like, it's, like you know it just stitch moves so quickly but um my my family um a lot of them already like they've been in Venezuela already like they kind of like my parents they grew up there and actually have other family members like aunts and uncles who who actually were born there as well so I mean it wasn't as it wasn't as scary for me because like my parents they are they already were familiar with the country so we weren't like first time going to the country like no at all so that definitely helped
0: yeah Mm -hmm. did you ever go there or was that move your first time ever going to venezuela
1: That was my first time. Yeah, it was my first time in Minnesota. Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, so it's your family who has experience, but you don't.
1: Yeah, my family has, like, my parents, but not me.
0: Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah, and as for the
1: culture shock thing, it definitely was because the kids over there, like, that were my age. You know, it just it's like obviously like the ways we were raised and our, our cultural and ethnic background are completely different. And honestly, the kids over there my age were more rebellious. Really? Like, yeah. They, they would like get drunk at like 13, go to parties, <laughs> you know, just all this crazy stuff that I wasn't used to and like I wasn't accustomed to because I was obviously raised in a different type of household and everything. So when I when I saw that, like, you know, when I went to school with them, they would tell me about it. I'm like, oh, like this is what? Like you could do that? You know, was, like so it was so weird for me at that age. Like it was really weird.
0: Yeah. That's really interesting. I was not expecting that. I was Mm -hmm. expecting more like, oh, well, we just play different games. Like we're into different sports. (laughs) No,
1: no, no, it's totally different. So that was definitely, that was crazy. That was crazy.
0: (laughs) So I know you also have a younger sister. Are you the oldest of your immediate family?
1: No, I have an older brother. I'm a middle child.
0: Oh, okay. So, when Mm -hmm. you guys moved, did you ever feel that need to lead your younger sister or to, like, follow the footsteps of your older brother? No. Honestly,
1: I feel like all of us were just trying – we were, like, on the same level. So, I mean, each of us were just just trying to get by our own. Obviously, we're there supporting each other, like, here and there. And actually – Well, from what I do remember, I definitely like, you know, Sabrina, she's my sister. So I definitely try to help her like, Sabrina, it's okay. Like, I'm here. You still have me. You still have, you know, my older brother, like, like you're not the only one going through this. But for the most part, we were all fine.
0: That's good to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I know um, a lot of people, especially when they have siblings, they have a hard time just maintaining that family life while also trying to figure everything by themselves Mm -hmm. yeah and so like from my understanding because i also had a friend who moved from Massachusetts all the way to California in middle school, so around 11, too, mm. um, 11, 12. And then he was telling me how it was just really different, even though it's just, like, different states. But yeah. still, it's just, like, a completely different lifestyle here in California and um, just everything, you know, the people, the food, mm. um, mm-hmm. and yeah. your family becomes different, too.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. Um, definitely over there, the, the culture is different. Like, and there was actually a, like the language barrier, obviously. Um, we actually, we start, well, I started off and like me and my siblings, we actually had three Spanish teachers. Like when we first got to like, the first couple of years, since we had to learn Spanish, since we we're going to actually start living there going to school, we had three Spanish teachers and they actually spoke English. So, They helped us, you know, learn Spanish and over the course of years and just living there for many years, like we slowly started to adapt. And that's how um, I and my siblings became fluent in Spanish to this day.
0: So when you guys first moved, you had no knowledge of Spanish at all?
1: Absolutely nothing. I didn't know anything about the country. I wasn't familiar at all with the culture, anything. It was just this, just imagine like a small kid entering like a new world, like they're not familiar with. It's just like that.
0: Oh wow that is really impressive actually. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no but like at a young age like it, I feel like it's a lot easier to like adapt at a young age because you're still young and you're not like completely developed yet you haven't really you know grown into your own character yet as like right now I'm 18 if I moved like again like if I moved right now it'd be completely different like I'd feel so awkward you know. And I feel like uh, maybe it's going to be harder for me to adapt as well.
0: So, yeah, that's why. Yeah, definitely. And um, when you first moved, because you said, like, at a young age, it's easier to adapt. But for me, at least, even at a young age, I feel like I was a very emotionally connected person. So leaving behind, like, my house, my my friends and family, Mm -hmm. and all of that would be a very dramatic difference for me. So how did you deal with all of that? That's true,
1: actually. I do remember being um, really sad when you're at the airport, leaving, saying goodbye to our family. But at the same time, I knew it, like, I knew I wasn't going to be, like, in Venezuela forever, you know? Like, I knew that, and I knew we were still going to be, like, on FaceTime together, and, like, how I dealt with, like, the loneliness and all those, like, negative feelings. I did have, like, my parents, they had friends over there, and they had daughters our age, too, So we were able to, like, um, interact with the girls who were our age, you know, and, you know, since they're from that country, since they're from Venezuela, um, they kind of helped us sort of fit in more and just kind of be more familiar with the culture and everything. And we actually did have family over there, too. Like, we had cousins over there. So, like, honestly, if you just imagine it, like, It was like completely normal, but at the same time, it was like not because they did speak Spanish and like we didn't speak Spanish at all. So like throughout time, we, um, me and like my other, my siblings, we learned Spanish and we were able to like interact with them more. And then, you know, next thing to another, it was like, it just, it just felt normal, you know, it felt good to be there. And that was like really, really nice.
0: Dang. Yeah. It sounds really nice. Like yeah, Just it really being was. able to adjust so smoothly, that is mm-hmm. so awesome. And I really like how you guys all kept a very positive outlook. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really hard thing to do, too, because <laughs> going back to how I'm very emotionally connected to things, <laughs> um, I would have such a difficult time and just like being all over this situation in my head. Um, so... Mm-hmm. How exactly did you cope with that? Because right now, it sounds like you kind of automatically had that positive outlook, but I'm yeah. sure it was like a process of getting there.
1: If I was gonna say, it wasn't really it wasn't really a long process. like it wasn't a dramatic process to like work up towards like being positive towards everything. I think I'm like for in this case. I try not to be, like, so emotional about things, because honestly, now that I think about it, like, I gained so much from, like, this whole experience, because, you know, not everyone gets to, like, experience this type of thing, so I feel like, um, like, for example, I learned, like, a new culture, I learned a new language, I met so many different people, and I just learned so many things that that kind of outweighed like every other negative thing that was out there you know what I mean so I try to not let those negative thoughts and like the loneliness and like you know the emotional thing kind of creep in so yeah that's that's kind of how I did it it really gave me like a new perspective on life too and I feel like that's like the thing that I'm most grateful for because if you like Venezuela like at the time and I'm I, I'm not too sure about now, but it probably still is. But like with the majority of citizens, like, like, for example, the basic necessities of life were scarce over there. Like, and like I was lucky enough for like, cause my family and I, like we had, we were lucky enough to at least, you know, have enough to get by, like enough food, you know, and other just basic necessities. And, I, and just looking at that and like come, looking back over here to the California, like California's like financial Like, economic-wise, like, we were always, like, stable, you know? Like, the U.S.'s um, economic stability has always been fine. But compared to Venezuela, like, their inflation was so bad. It was so bad. And it definitely affected the the citizens, like, they had. Um, I don't know if you know what this is, but do you know what a barrio is?
0: No, no clue. Can you explain?
1: Um, Yeah, so it's, like, these houses that are built on hills, but they're, like, really poorly made. They're, like, houses houses not even house like I can't even call it a house it's like a little brick room on top of another brick room like stacked, stacked, stacked on top of each other like you can definitely research a picture afterwards it's b-a-r-r-i-o barrio and then like people actually build those because like they just have no home to live in and like you know like they just don't have enough money because you know once again the whole situation like the whole country situation is that bad you know like, those, unfortunately, the living conditions of some of the people, because they're just, you know, it's unfortunate, and yeah, so it's basically that, so just, it's, like, hundreds of houses just stacked on top of each other, like, on hills, like, just think about it, like, it it was so bad, and just, like, looking at it, and just comparing it to how I'm living, like, again, it gave me a new perspective on life, and it just made me realize that I should be Um, lucky and like that I truly am privileged to just have a roof over my head and like food on the table like every single day, water, clothes, you know, just like every single the basic necessities of life really. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How was your reaction when you first experienced that? Because you said you didn't have any previous knowledge of Venezuela before. So Mm -hmm. when you moved over there, it must have been something that was really shocking to see. Yeah,
1: it definitely was because I've never really seen that in my life. You know, just um, the neighborhoods that I've lived in previously compared to, to to that. You know, call it what you want, but it was it was it was sad. You know, it it, it was sad, really. But um, I was shocked, you know. As a young age, I was like, "Oh my god, like, like mom, what is that?" You know, like, like, yeah. like, why do they live there? Like, like how? Like, who builds those? And she told me, like, yeah, like they build it themselves. Like, they just do, it and they just, they just try their best to get by, you know. And I feel like, you know, life is hard. Life is really hard.
0: Did this experience make you want to become more of like an activist? Just talking about what you went through while also in a sense like motivating or educating others to help out other countries or other people
1: honestly that that would make that would, that would make so much sense and i wouldn't say like it motivated I Me, mean, well, I guess I kind of did, but I'm not a hardcore activist, you know, to, like, have other countries, because I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what to do, like, like I'm just a <laughs> girl, like, I don't think i You're just play.
0: 18, it's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, no, um, but, um, I definitely had conversations with, like, a lot of people, and, like, informed them about it, and, like, I talked to them, because I was, like, because, if I talk to my friend from here from the U.S. who has never been to Venezuela, right, if I'm talking to them about it, like, I know how they're feeling and I know how, and, I, like, this may sound kind of weird, but, like, I kind of know how they're, like, thinking because, like, their perspective is not, like, the same as mine and, like, because I've been, um, since I've experienced, like, i moved to Venezuela, like, I know how that is, and just looking about, like, how people here are kind of, like, thinking, like, my age, like, I just kind of make, I inform them, like, oh, like, it's like this, it's like that, you know what I mean? So, like, that's, like, the type of thing that I would do if, you know, that's what you're asking.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, telling them to be more grateful, essentially hmm yeah. like like they might think it's like oh it's not that serious because like it's different from just seeing it online like all
1: oh, these people living in like you know poverty in such poor living conditions and actually seeing it with your own eyes and like not experiencing it but it's like it's like you're so like I see it right there and like I actually know some people in Venezuela who are living in those conditions as well because they were like friends like they were family friends and like it felt awful. You know, so it's just different for other people who just see it like online than actually like knowing people who like live in the live who who are living in those conditions. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, like
0: because you're not exactly experiencing it directly, but just like having that firsthand observation, it's just, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's completely different. Like what you said, mm-hmm. the Instagram posts you see, like, yeah. It's it's brutal, right? You want to you want to help as much as you can, but seeing that in person, it's a whole nother level of hurt. It is like it kind of
1: it gets you like feeling some type of way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um. So while we're talking about the differences you see between Venezuela and America, mm-hmm. what were some of your expectations? That you had for the country before moving there.
1: I didn't think much of it,, uh, but when I first got there, that's when like I saw seeing many, many differences than what I was used to. just like obviously the culture itself and the people, like how they how they like treat you, like how they kind of um introduce themselves. like you know like you know when they like say when they introduce themselves over there, they like, Give like a kiss on the, it's like a cheek on a cheek. Do you know? Have you seen those? Yeah, right? like, yeah. Like, hola, like this. you know, <laughs> like they do that. <laughs> and so, when I first, was, I was like, oh, what, what are we doing? Like, what is this? <laughs> you know, because here in America, you know, we, we don't touch. You know, like, like we don't, especially now, like obviously, the corona, like we're not gonna touch each other at all. But usually, it's just like, oh hi, you know, just wave yeah. there. Yeah. but now, over there, like. um people who were kind of acquaintances as well they come like hola like to make the kiss on the cheek this and that mm-hmm. so that was definitely one thing that i was like oh like what is this you know, <laughs> so kind of, you know i have that... a
0: question yeah so when you moved back to california and you had to greet people did you like stop yourself when you were about to like give them
1: the cheek no <laughs> no no i i <laughs> good Thank God that that I I never I was, I was like hello like about to give them a kiss like no, they looked at me like what what are you doing like no good thing I did not have to I didn't I wasn't stuck with that like it wasn't like um, a habit of mine you know
0: mm-hmm. like
1: I, I was aware like yes I'm in the U S and people do not greet each other like this
0: <laughs> you knew <laughs> so, you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah and so. Um going back to the whole expectations thing, one thing that was really shocking was um, the majority of the living condition in Venezuela. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned to me that you also were in the midst of a lot of various um, political and economic Mm -hmm. changes, including protests so yeah yeah so okay. go, go ahead and share that story let's, okay let's
1: go down to that so uh, if I am want to say what year was this um I think it was 2015 I'm not too sure but maybe within like maybe 2013 to 2015 after um the president Hugo Chavez died right so then another you know the uh, he we got placed with another president and his name is um Nicolas Maduro and the country was still kind of, eh, like, with Chavez, with the previous president, but even with Maduro, it was, like, even worse. So, like, the citizens just really opposed other government, and, like, that's when, like, the country had this big political downfall. And I lived in a building, right? Uh, I lived on the very top floor. And I remember this one afternoon where um, where the citizens and, like, the armed forces like the police the police like the art or whatever all those they would be throwing tear gas at each other like they were basically protesting you know because they didn't they didn't like the government the government was like corrupt you know the economy was sucky like like the their living conditions were like i can't even call them living conditions you know what i mean because they weren't they really weren't living they were just doing as much as they as much as they can to, to get by so they were rioting, protesting, and, you know, in those types of situations, like, all that chaos happening, other people, they, they want to take advantage of, like, little businesses that are around, so, like, they would loot, they, 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 um, began to loot the businesses, you know, looting and all that stuff. This sounds and, very like, familiar. Yeah, hmm exactly, um, yeah, and then the, you would see like these army come out with tanks, like not even. Yeah, I think it was like a tank with, like, with this hose, and they were like hosing down the citizens. And like, I'm like, I'm witnessing, but the one else is like, What the actual heck, you know? How old were you? Mm,
0: younger than 15, like 11, 12, 13. Oh my yeah. gosh, and that must like, have been, like, kind of traumatizing, just witnessing everything. Yeah, I was gonna, I was, I was
1: actually gonna mention that, because people would say, like, oh, how are you not traumatized, like, right now? How are you, like, oh, so okay talking about it, you know, like, as of, like, right now, like, how I'm talking about it right now, and I've, I've I kind of say, like, I've, um, I've kind of been through stuff already, and I'm kind of, like, de- um... desensitized, yeah desensitized that's word. um <laughs> of all that stuff so i'm kind of like okay with that I'm, I'm okay with like talking about it sharing like getting like getting down with it real with you, you know so and i remember like as the tear gas like kind of like floated up in the air and like i remember like how that kind of felt like it, it's it's a horrible feeling like i don't want anyone to feel like so like, you
0: actually experienced tear gas
1: yeah but not directly like I wasn't down in the street of course not like of course I wasn't down I was just like at home but I was like watching everything like right below my window like on the streets like the police were throwing the tear gas at the people spraying them down with hoses like animals like like what what the hell you know and as a tear gas I like, they, there's so much tear gas like and, and as it like floated up in the air like I kind of like inhaled it and it was like this itchy feeling in my throat, I'm like my nose was itchy, my eyes were getting watery, obviously. But like just can you imagine like the people that are actually down there like experiencing experiencing the tear gas directly in their face? You know? Uh, that's, that's crazy. That's really crazy. Yeah.
0: yeah
1: I can't I can't think about it. And then yeah, the, they were also like beating up people as well. It was, it was all really ugly. It's ugly.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I can't even imagine it it's Mm -hmm. like just hearing that is like I don't know it's it makes me kind of go speechless because like Mm -hmm. I I don't know what else to say you know yeah no it's like
1: just like another unfortunate world crisis that you would see like you know online like on Facebook or whatever
0: yeah (laughs) but But it's so different because not only did you experience it but being involved directly in that situation, like having seen the protest right below your feet, it's like a whole new sensation, Mm -hmm. you
1: know? Yeah. And even like friends from school that I, like, that I went with in Venezuela, like even they were like participating in, in those types of protests as well. So it was like really dangerous, but you can really see like how um, kids at those ages, how, how courageous they are you know like how like the, the amount of courage and bravery it takes to really do that because it honestly is really risky like you are risking your life like you don't know what's going to happen you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: and also um this like for the protests as well sometimes what like, like people would do they would like they call it a trancazo and that's basically like they just block like this part of the street and sometimes school would get canceled because of that. Because they they we would like talk about it like a day before because like people are already discussing discussing about like oh yeah we're gonna block this part. But it's only like for it's like they're doing that as an act of protest, you know.
0: So they would. Oh, be like, so yeah. that so normal citizens are blocking the streets, not the government. Mm, no, not necessarily. But um, you, but because of that,
1: you know the the blockage. Like you, you already know like the police is like they're gonna come. And it's really dangerous if they come. Like they're literally, they're the enemy. So it was just not safe for us to go to school. They're like, oh yeah, so school's canceled for the next day. And so and sometimes they go on and on, like oh yeah, school is canceled for the next week. The, the next thing you know, next the next month, next two months, three months, and like it just goes on, you know. So you can see like how bad that
0: escalated. Mm-hmm. Going back to when you said you talk so freely about it because you're like desensitized in a sense. I feel like that's something that a lot of people can understand to a certain extent, especially in the current world, because of just everything going on, even though it's completely different from your situation where you were like there. But I feel like I just wanted to clarify this to those listening because desensitization, a lot of people associate it with like just being numb to things and just not caring anymore which I think is Mm -hmm. completely false no yeah it
1: definitely wasn't that I think it was just because it occurred so often like I was like so used to it already like this was this is how it is like you know here in Venezuela you know that's just how the thing how the things worked and stuff you know so I think like that was most but like I was used to it like I was I was like yeah like this is happening like it's it's unfortunate but like it is what it is you know
0: it's especially hard since you don't have that control. Like you want it to go away, but there's not much you can do. So you have to just live with it and essentially become desensitized after that period of grief, almost. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it is, it's a very unfortunate thing. And the fact that it's happening almost like globally now too, it's just like every mm-hmm. single place has some sort of issue
1: yeah i mean you know the world isn't perfect like i feel like it's gonna happen sometime or another you know it's just humans are crazy i don't know
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's just it, it sucks it sucks there's nothing to do about it and that's the worst part yeah um but you also mentioned that you experienced some racism while away can you explain your story yeah so okay
1: you know in venezuela there there are some asians but there definitely aren't a lot like there are only a couple you know and in the in the um, area that i i was living in like there were definitely some asians you know because um There were some local businesses that were owned by Asians and like, you know, our family was, we had a big family over there too, but, you know, going to school on the very first day, you would, you would like feel the kids glare at you like head to toe and they would like whisper and you kind of like, it just, like, I don't, I didn't like that feeling, you know, especially at a young age, I, I was like, I got really like, I got sad, you know, especially, you know, because, you know, it's, it's racism, you know, and you just hear them talking about your bag, like, oh, like, saying, like, oh, she's, she's this and she's that. Like, you know what a chinita is?
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I don't. So no,
1: that's just, like, like, Chinese girl, like, little Chinese girl. They're, oh. Like, oh. They're like, mira la Chinita and this and that. But <laughs> that was, <laughs> was that she's, she's like, look at her. Like, I heard this and that. And I was like, okay, okay. Yeah. I was just, I was kind of staying in my own lane, doing my own thing. Cause I really, you know, when you're, when you're a young age, you know, you always want to fit in, you always do, but you know, especially being a whole new different country, like the fact that I didn't even know what to say to them, you know, how to even interact with them because my Spanish wasn't good at all yet. Like it was so hard, but luckily, honestly, there were actually some kids that spoke English and they were really nice. And the teachers were also pretty nice too. So that definitely helped like, I'm just, it was just lucky for me to like be in a school that some kids, they spoke English and they kind of helped me feel um, not lonely in a way connected, you know, again. Oh, direct discrimination was, well, my family, my, um, yeah, we had a business, like a little business over there in in Venezuela and the customers sometimes they would be like, I guess sometimes they would get mad. Like, you know, all customers, you're always going to get, like, those rude customers. Like yeah the, yeah, the Karens. Yeah, the Karens. <laughs> and sometimes when, you know, they don't get what they want, you know, they're not satisfied, they would just be petty and pick on our, you know, pick on our, you know, race or whatever. They're like, oh, you're never, you this and that, you're this and that. But honestly, like, again, like, since this is something that occurred so often, I was just like, okay, whatever. Like, you know, like, at the end of the day, um, it really, it just depends on how it affects me and how I take it, you know, because you can't change what others are going to, you can't really change what they're going to think about you or, um, you know, control what they say because everyone's entitled to their own opinions, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, when I realized that it doesn't matter, like that helped me so much to grow as a person, as to, like even like where I am today, so yeah
0: yeah definitely I feel like I can go on and on about this issue of just how (laughs) how often we have to just let it go like let any discrimination go
1: yeah honestly it's, it's even think about it it's not worth it it's not worth your time it's not worth it like you can do so much so many more better things than just dealing with that you know
0: yeah I think there is that sense of like oh you should move on but also the fact that it exists bothers me so much and that's the one thing like i will completely understand if people like remember a traumatizing racist experience because it's like it's a huge problem and in a sense for others it might be very difficult to let go because it it'd be a dangerous situation like a violent yeah. situation yeah it
1: definitely would And it, honestly if it were if it was just straight up disrespect like um because all this happened when I was still young so I was like around my parents at the time so like my mom she would you know defend us like defend defend her children you know she would like speak for her and be like hey no this and that this and that you're like you're wrong you know you're just like, straight up disrespecting us you know what I mean mm-hmm. so I can definitely see how sometimes like we can't let people get away with things because it's just not okay and they don't they just can't you just can't let get them let them get away with stuff like that you know what I mean like someone needs to tell them off you know what I mean so
0: yes yeah. period mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, earlier you mentioned that um, when you went to school there were some people who didn't speak English so how did that exactly affect your academics because having little to no Spanish skills um, did you have to like go down a grade or um, did you have to enroll in a special school? Actually no like now that I think about it like
1: the academics and like in the beginning they were they were okay like they knew that um obviously I was at a disadvantage so they were a little more lenient with me so they would actually help me a lot and the students who who spoke English they actually helped me on my homework and they taught me oh this means that this means that so honestly all that was just really heartwarming now think about it oh so sweet (laughs) those kids are so sweet it's so nice like at, at such a young age like that's so, that's so nice, that's so cute. But yeah, the academic part was not that hard. Um, it was like, I was okay, like to, to get by because after let's say about two years, that's when I started to pick things up more. Like I could get things like on my own. And yeah, that was really, that's pretty much how it was. And we actually had, um, they actually had an English course over there too, like an English class. Yeah, there was like one school where they had an English class, and then I I moved to a different school in Venezuela, and they were, they taught Italian and English, so then, like, yeah, so as you can imagine, like, all the English teachers over there at the school, they're, like, they were, like, all amazed by me, they're, like, wow, yelling, Michelle, she has, she has that, like, Native American (laughs) accent, you know what I'm like? like just like because you know over there the kids of it as well they always have an accent you know what I mean when they speak English because they you know they don't speak English so when they when they would talk about me they'd be like Michelle, Michelle, Sarah, I'm <laughs> in English and all that stuff it was just so funny like when now that I think back at it it made me feel like like oh I'm better than everyone like,
0: <laughs> I'm so <you> know? cool
1: <laughs> yeah like I'm so cool like when I spoke English the kids would be like oh my god like like, this is so dumb they be like, oh, she's Chinese, and she speaks such good English. Like, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I do. Okay. Oh and I mean, like, yeah, I actually was born in the U.S. They were like, oh, my God, you were? And I was like, yes. And, like, how how is it? Like, how is it over there? And, yeah, it was it, it was so cute. It was funny. It was funny.
0: Obviously, you moved back to California, and, um that means you've stayed in Venezuela for 5 years, right? Yeah, um, almost 5 years, yeah. Okay. So, what was it like moving back and saying goodbye to everyone in Venezuela?
1: Uh, saying goodbye, I I think it was pretty sad. Um because um I've stayed in the, I, the last school that I that I was in in Venezuela, I I stayed there for how long I think about 2 to 3 I think three years. I think so. Sixth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade, I think. Uh, to ninth grade, actually. So it was sixth grade and ninth grade. So, you know, it, it was a couple of years that I was in that school. So, and I, and I made friendships, like, you know, I was like, I had these two best friends over there, but then unfortunately we actually don't keep in contact anymore. Like we don't talk to each other. Like I'm actually, do not I don't really talk to anyone, <laughs> none of my friends, at least. I mean, we do follow each other like on a social media platform. So sometimes we like, swipe up and like comment on each other, but that's about it. We don't really like have a conversation and like catch up. But you know, it's fine. Oh yeah. So so obviously I went to elementary over here and when I came back to to high school I actually recognized some faces but I didn't I didn't know if they if they recognized me so like I think I was walking around I was like oh like I used to know her like I was like I was like best friends with her like oh my god I used to know him like we were friends in like elementary but seeing how like how much they changed it kind of shocked me I was kind of like oh like they're like this now you know (laughs) like like the way they act is as well like, it was completely different than what I was used to in Venezuela as well. Because, you know, almost five years, like, basically five years is, is a long time. And you do you really get, you start acting, like, differently because you, you know, just adapt to that lifestyle. So mm-hmm. once I came back, like, I, I wasn't, it, it wasn't something completely new. But there was definitely some, like, things in between that kind of like, made it kind of uh, rocky, this and that. I was like, oh, this is, like, weird. Like, why are they acting like this? Like, this is so different. They're, they're like, so, like, mature or something or whatever. <laughs> you know, that like, you know, high yeah. schoolers are here. They're, like, all about, oh, this is great, this and that. Like, they have their own little friend group or whatever. So, I tr- I think I tried reaching out to some people and they're like, oh my god, I do remember you, and like, oh yeah, you moved here to Venezuela, and I was like, yeah, I did. But I think that was that was it. Um, and I actually did have some like cousins in the high school that I went with too, so I wasn't lonely, so that was good.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it difficult to make friends again? Because I remember one of our first interactions in tennis. We were. It was like what is it called? Oh, tryouts. We had tryouts. Yeah. And then um, you were just like kind of doing your own thing by yourself. You were like really good at tennis too. And everyone <laughs> was like, oh, she's so good. But everyone oh, no. thought you were a freshman for some kind of reason, even though you really? were a junior. Yeah, this is like, oh, back in yeah, because I was barely trying
1: out because yeah, yeah since I, since I uh, went back to high school my sophomore year, like my sophomore year, I didn't join any clubs or um sports because I was like oh I, oh yeah I wasn't that 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 was actually one thing because in Venezuela the school over there like the education system is completely different like they they like make you take more classes than like than what you actually need over here since since over here like you know in high school there's a class that like you need in order to this and that this and that but over there it's like completely different like over there let me just tell you two things so you can kind of imagine I took geography and um what do you call it accounting i took accounting class over there
0: yeah here was wait was it mandatory for you to take accounting and geography yeah those
1: were like the classes that you had to take in that grade like in a certain grade level like you take this class like all right oh. i took physics i actually took physics over there in like it god, like eighth grade or was it ninth grade not like, young I took, they don't even, they took physics <laughs> Yeah, like you think about that. But now like, i I c I don't remember anything. Like I just remember some <laughs> stuff about the speed. The, the speed whatever. E equals M C squared. That's all you need to know. Well yeah, I don't know anything. I forgot. Like that's so much that's years ago. Like
0: Wow. It's nice did. that they offer accounting like as a mandatory class. I feel like we should do that too here. Yeah,
1: no. It's a it's a it's a it's a cool
0: not really cool class but class (laughs) it's a class yeah a class like there's so many numbers uh it was like kind of
1: annoying
0: yeah no i'm sure just like looking at so many numbers and math class combined Uh (laughs) uh-huh but um going back to the tennis story Mm. it was really funny because everyone thought you were a freshman and so when we found out you were a junior we were so shocked and then the sophomores um I was a freshman at that time but there were like also sophomores they were like how come I've never seen you on campus before and all of that so at that moment did you feel awkward or like weird in any way because it's like people are essentially like trying to get to know you more? Mm, not,
1: not at all. I didn't feel awkward at all. I just, I uh, let them know like, oh yeah, I actually, I was born here, but then I moved and I came back. Like sophomore year, I didn't join any clubs or anything. And now it's my junior year. I'm like more familiar with what like the school, what what it has and everything, all the clubs and stuff. So that's why I'm, I, that's, and that's when I joined choir and that's when I joined tennis. So that's literally why like I joined so late. So I can see why people thought I was a freshman because I'm barely trying now
0: you know yeah. even though I'm
1: a junior because you know juniors would what they would be like jv or varsity at the time already so yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah I never felt awkward
1: not at all um I feel like like that's the one thing like you're so curious about like if I ever feel awkward isn't that but honestly I kind of just I'm like no like it's fine like I like I love me you know I'm a good person I'm a cool person you know it's yes! okay
0: yes oh my gosh <laughs> wow this is like queen status right now like it's okay to be it's okay to just you know
1: not fit in and stuff like that like you get used to it and it's okay
0: yeah i think everyone should just embrace your own unique self you know because mm-hmm. like exactly what's the point of fitting in everyone will just be the same it's going to be boring <laughs> proud of you michelle thank you (laughs) and thank you so much for sharing your story like i think this is definitely very inspiring for many people
1: oh yeah thank you thank you for having me honestly this is exciting this is fun
0: yeah it was really fun i like really enjoyed listening Mm -hmm. i actually like talking about it too i like getting in depth with stuff so where can the listeners connect with you um you can you guys can
1: connect with me through my Instagram. It's just my name, Michelle Fang with two G's at the end. Um you can follow my TikTok at Mochi Leva. <laughs> you have a
0: TikTok? Yeah. I'll follow you. I'll follow <laughs> Okay. I'll follow you after we do this outro. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, definitely. Follow me guys.
0: okay yeah you heard it here follow michelle on instagram and tiktok also make sure to follow study breaks instagram at the study break podcast tune into your favorite podcast app follow study break there and listen to a new episode every tuesday thank you all so much for listening have a great day and i'll talk to you in the next episode bye everyone Bye. bye